0: Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of Healthcare Fraud Shields Podcasts. My name is Karen Weintraub, and I'll be the moderator, and sometimes also the person presenting on these podcasts as well. From time to time, we will invite guests to speak on various topics throughout the year. If you are unfamiliar with Healthcare Fraud Shields, we are a fraud, waste, and abuse software company that is focused solely on healthcare fraud prevention and payment integrity needs. We have an integrated platform that includes AI, post-payment analytics, payment analytics, pharmacy analytics, case management tool and a reporting tool. Also as part of our organization, we have a number of industry leading healthcare subject matter experts that are integrated throughout our organization and involved in our services as well. I hope you enjoy the podcast this season, so we thank you for listening. And get ready for each episode. So if you need anything or have any questions about Healthcare Fraud Shields, you can reach us at www.hcfraudshields.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Fraud Shield Podcast. My name is Karen Weintraub, and I'm going to be your host today for our Season 3, Episode 4 podcast, which is titled, Healthcare Fraud Shield Shared Analytics. So we're going to go through some buzzwords that you may have heard that relate to what I'm going to talk about today, and we're going to go through what some of that means and what it means to Healthcare Fraud Shield and what we're doing in that space. So some things or terms you may have heard over the years, uh, data blending, data collaboration, data sharing, information sharing, data consortiums, these are the things that you may have heard either in the healthcare space or even in other spaces. So the thing that I always, you know, try to digest when I'm reading up on what other folks are doing is how do they define these terms? How do they execute these different initiatives in, in that company's world or in that industry's world versus maybe what our anticipation or expectation is of how these things should be working for us. So. I wanted to take just one of those terms, data blending, because it's become a little bit more popular over the last few years, and just talk about what the meaning is, at least how it's defined uh, on the internet, which, you know, everyone knows that we can trust everything on the internet, right? Uh, But data blending, at least according to Wikipedia, is a process where big data from multiple sources are merged into a single data warehouse or data set. So this does apply to some of the pieces that um, I would say that we are working with. Uh, We are taking data from lots of different companies and we are creating a very large data set, de-identified data, of course, uh, into one de-identified data set and then analyzing the data from there. So I'm gonna go into that in a little bit more detail. Before we go into that in a little more detail, you know, this is not an uncommon Thought process or an uncommon initiative that folks want to do, especially in the healthcare space. There's so much healthcare data out there, and there's so many companies that operate individually because they're individual companies. Um, that to get data in one spot to analyze it across, you know, the spectrum of healthcare, the different lines of business, different geog- geographic locations, you know, is really an interesting, um, an interesting project. So, you know, of course, you know, we love. Putting data together, and the more data you have, the more things that you you know can potentially do with it. So why not in healthcare? Uh, it's again not a, not a not a new idea. There are several initiatives that have um, that have come about over the last few years, uh, both from government companies, from private companies. You know, one thing you can look up: the state of Massachusetts. They've got a, a health data consortium. They aggregate data and they look at a variety of different data points. Everything from you know all the different aspects of the services and treatment that can really help with um, analyzing the best approaches um, for delivery of care, and you know what might influence pat- patient outcomes based on all these different data points so you know with that and all the different programs that have really broached the the data sharing uh, uh, initiatives over the years, you know I think it's important to really talk about you know how we go about identifying. These types of results that would be helpful to our clients and to the industry, and, and the different approaches that can be taken. There are many, many challenges, uh, and there that can be many obstacles over the years. You know, some of that could include, of course, include, but not limited to, you know, just combining the data itself, uh, making sure you have de-identified all the appropriate fields, and then how do you best combine the data? You know, payer, ABC payer you know one two three payer all these different payers their data is structured while there's many similarities their data is always going to be structured a little bit differently you know they don't have the same provider IDs you know the same NPI in theory most payers are going to have that but thinking about being able to join all these different data sets together into one to you know get all of that into one blended data set so we have been working uh, on this data blending initiative, or our Healthcare Fraud Shield Shared Analytics for uh, quite a few years. Uh, again, we call it Shared Analytics. where We take the data across our various clients and combine it, as I mentioned, into this de-identified shared data set. And we are able to run analytics off of it. And then what we can do is we take the data, put it into a de-identified set, run analytics, and then push the results of those analytics back out to those clients. And the clients will now benefit from not only seeing analytics that are done in just their data, but now seeing the results of the analytics that are is done across all the data that's included in this um, initiative. Of course, clients don't see what company's information is involved; they see aggregates of information. Uh, on a whole, they're never going to know who and what is involved in this data set, obviously to protect all the different, um, you know, aspects of our clients' data. But what we're trying to show is really twofold. Uh, One I, I just categorize as really just informational. So I can be, you know, a user of a particular client and I'm in their data and I can see what's happening in that one client's data for specific providers and now what I can see is not only what's happening for my provider and my provider's members I now have an aggregation of information that's occurring across the board. So easiest example people who talk about these data um, sharing programs is looking at how many members are seen in a a given day across this shared data set. So obviously if I work for Payer A I can only act on Payer A's data but it gives me insight into knowing what's happening so they only saw five of my patients but they saw 50 for that day across the board that's helpful information to know so again that first piece i like to call is really informational and that is something that we have sprinkled throughout the whole system the second piece is the really the analytics piece using that shared data to identify behaviors and trends providers, other types of, of uh, points of interest, things that would not normally stand out necessarily, looking at one single data set, but do stand out when you combine all of the data together. So again, looking at one company's data or just your respective company's data may not be enough for certain types of analytics or artificial intelligence models to pick up on something as strongly as it would, because it's not getting the diversity of data to compare to, to look for anomalies, to look for those outliers. For example, some plans, maybe they are located in just, you know, one geographic location. Some plans, whether they're national or geographic, may only focus on one line of business. And sometimes that can really make a difference in how the data behaves because providers may be billing a line of business or product type differently. For one plan versus another maybe it's due to the state that they're in maybe it's due to the contracts maybe it's due to you know something else that's relevant to that specific plan in just your data your providers are only being compared to your providers when you look at shared data you can now take your provider and be able to expand that pool that they're being compared against which again can identify anomalies and outliers that you would not have normally really picked up on before. One of the other critical pieces about the way that that Healthcare Fraud Shield is approaching shared analytics is the timeliness of what we're able to deliver. And I think that's always been one of the the obstacles over the years. So um, for those that uh, pull CMS data, for, from Medicare and you can get some some pretty neat um, pieces of information on what's happening on what providers are you know what services that they're performing but it's a couple of years old um, so in this kind of environment we want to find things that are new and emerging as quickly as possible so because we have the luxury of getting our clients data on some kind of normal cadence um, and then we do what we would normally do with it whether it's prepay or postpay, Um, That can drive how often you're getting data sets, some, you know, there may be a need to send us data daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is that the client's um, timeline for sending us data, we ingest that data. And once we ingest that data, we can now convert that into our shared analytics program. So it really becomes a near real-time analysis of what's happening in this shared environment that we can then again push those results out to the client. So rather than trying to come up with, you know, hey, let's focus on, you know, this particular topic, let's go back and look at everyone's data, uh, we're actually kind of doing the opposite. We're really letting the data guide us into what we should be looking at and finding um, proactively. So again, really more of closer to a real time view of what's happening in a large data set. So things that we have found so far, Uh, So the obvious which I mentioned before about let's just talk about you know how many patients someone's seeing in a day that can translate of course to how much time is spent in a day. So if you're just looking at your data you may estimate that maybe they only spend about mm, three to four hours depending on how you're tracking or calculating the time there's a few different approaches to that. And when you look at the the shared data set they are spending 19-20 hours a day. So how did that happen? You didn't have that in your data so again we're able to provide that aggregation of time we're not going to tell you which client is doing what but we can tell you that across all of our shared clients you've got 20 hours of time approximately being spent so what are you not seeing in your data um, and what are we seeing across the board so you're gonna want to take a look at look at that so that's one piece, that's kind of the obvious. And then that's what I would say is like kind of the expected thing that you should you know look at in this type of initiative, um, even though you can only act on you know your data. But then you're also gonna find things that you wouldn't expect. So outliers and anomalies that you would not have found in just your company's data. So let's say for example, and I, I hate to use the most obvious examples, but they're probably the easiest to explain. Let's say you're looking at a provider who bills evaluation and management codes, and maybe they only bill 99215 in your data. Uh, and there may be legitimate reasons for that, also depending on their, their patient population. Um, so if every single provider uh, of this type of provider, if you're looking at location, this type of provider in this location, is, they're all billing a 99215, they may not come up as an anomaly. Even though we have actually um, have developed analytics to account for for that kind of scenario, just in case. But when you compare against everyone else, what if they realized, you know, Company A won't do anything about you billing the nine nine two one five and just pays it, doesn't put it on review, never flags it, um, but every other company does, and every other company they're billing nine nine two one three. So when you compare now, combine this starts to develop you know possible ways of finding anomalous providers that you wouldn't have found in just your data so i got through most of this podcast without my pets making noises and uh you know we all most of us either work from home full time or blended schedule or whatever your schedules are i'm not gonna rerecord so you can enjoy the sounds of our our two macaws. I apologize for that. (laughs) But um, we have a little bit more left, so I almost made it through. So one question we often get is what else can we do with Shared Analytics or where are we going to take it? Um, So we're working on quite a few pieces. We're always working on on pieces of our system and and moving forward, but um, we're going to be adding some more artificial intelligence, more AI components and analytics around our shared analytics. Um, We're also going to be using that data as a means to work with how you should flag for prepayment as well. Um, So always working on ways to incorporate more advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, how to combine your post pay intel and use it for for prepay or as we call it our post shield and pre-shield so as always if you want more information you can always reach out to me directly Uh, my name is karen weintraub Uh, my email is kweintraub w-e-i-n-t-r-a-u-b at hcfraudshield.com or you can check out our website www.hcfraudshield.com. So thank you for listening and keep an eye out for our next podcast. Thank you so much.